Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Digital Killed the Radio Star podcast. This is David here again with you. And as uh, always, I have my buddy Chris on the phone. Chris, it's been a while. How have you, how have you been doing? Man, I've been good. How about yourself? I can't complain at all. Um, been listening to a lot of good music lately and working, so uh, good and the bad. Um, before we get started this week, I want to tell everybody to follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook on our Facebook page. And this week we're starting something new. We've opened up a Spotify account and you can follow us uh, just under our name, Digital Killed the Radio Star. And we're, what we're going to do with that is every week after we release an episode, we're going to release a, a playlist with the same name as the episode. And it's going to have anywhere from 10 to 12 songs that we've talked about during that episode so that you can uh, listen to it and sample it and uh, maybe find something that you haven't heard before and and go out and buy it. We're also going to have a playlist entitled New Music Recommendations. And so as we recommend new music each week, we're going to uh, add one or two songs to that. So it's going to be ever-growing. Who knows how big uh, that list will be. Chris, um, I have two things this week uh, I wanted to recommend for people. One is a documentary and one is a band. And I know you have something, so I'll go first and we'll just trade back and forth. Okay. Um, the first thing, it's a, I think it's a four-part documentary series on HBO called The Defiant Ones. I, I'm, I just finished episode two, and it is really interesting. It is about Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre. And basically, it's a, a biography of um, how they came to join together. And, you know, they went on to form Beats and just sold it to Apple for several billion dollars. But it's very interesting because Jimmy Iovine had his hands in a lot of big uh, albums in the late 70s, 80s, and 90s. And the guy was just kind of a hit maker and could just could find the right people to record um, he recorded a couple of Springsteen albums. I'm sure, Chris, I'm sure you can tell me which ones those were, probably. He recorded yep. uh, Tom Petty, Damn the Torpedoes. He's the one that hooked up Tom Petty with Stevie Nicks. Um, and, you know, just a lot of albums. U2, things of that nature. Anyway, don't let the, if you're not a fan of rap, don't let the fact that it's about Dr. Dre, uh, parts about Dr. Dre turn you off. His story is actually very compelling and it's very interesting. And one of the reasons I started watching it was I had heard so many people from different backgrounds talk about how good this series was. So I kind of have this theory in life, like everybody can't be wrong. So if I have somebody that's for a metalhead says it's good, a country music fan says it's good, and a rap fan says it's good, it probably has a pretty broad appeal. So uh, like I said, I just finished episode two. There's two more um episodes to watch and uh, if you have HBO or you have the uh, HBO uh, app on your uh, smart TV or smartphone I highly highly recommend it and like I said Jimmy Iovine go look him up um, he, there, he doesn't have very many peers uh, in the wrecking biz in the record business excuse me um, Chris you have someone you want a band you want to talk about correct yeah I mean I'm not, I won't spend a whole lot of time on it but you know I don't know how many uh Metalheads are listening to this, but um, there's a super group that formed. They're called Dead Cross, and it is Mike Patton of Faith No More on vocals, and it's got Dave Lombardo of Slayer fame on drums. And these guys have worked together before in, in a project called Phantomus. And they they kind of scored. They did. They kind of did their own versions of of uh, 
I know the one album they did it was it was horror films. They did they took some of these scores and just kind of redid them. So they're it's a unique pairing, and this is more of a it's not really Slayer, it's not really Faith No More. It's a straight up hardcore record, but it is man, it's brutal. I mean, it, <laughs> if if hardcore metal is not for you, stay away from it. But if you like it, I think you're gonna find some things that are really really cool on it. And Lombardo, I think he's he's in his 50s right now. And the drumming, to hear what he's doing at that age, it's just, it's insane. But again, this is one that is relentless from the first second to the last. Again, it's called Dead Cross. If you're looking for something new, if you're a fan of either one of these guys, fan of Faith No More, fan of Mr. Bungle, fan of Slayer, fan of any of this stuff that uh, Lombardo's done, check it out. It is uh, it's pretty cool stuff. So you're saying it wouldn't fall under the category of easy listening? Man, it's one of the most intense records I've heard in a while. And I actually I actually saw something where somebody said it was like the um and I know a lot of people that are that are, that are listening to this probably are not very familiar with Phan- the stuff they did with Phantomus. But Phantomus was very bizarre. But they said it was the brutality of Slayer's Reign and Blood and just the bizarreness of Phantomus. And it, it probably is, it probably is some of his most intense drumming since Rain and Blood, which he probably did when he was early twenties. Oh, the diversity with which we talk about music on our show, Chris. <laughs> hey, man, that's what it's all about. Um, I actually have one band that I want to talk about, and um, I saw, started reading about this band about two weeks ago, and they were on. Um, Eddie Trunk's podcast and uh, Dean Del Rey's Let There Be Talk podcast. Their name is Greta Van Fleet, and they are from um, Michigan. It's three brothers and then uh, another guy that's in the band that's not related to them. Two of them graduated high school in June, and they have released a four-song EP called uh, Black Sun Rising. And these guys sounds so good now when you hear it you're going to go there's an obvious zeppelin influence which it is but uh and, and they're being knocked for that by in some circles but um uh, my friend bobby that i work with is a big zeppelin uh Ze- zeppelin fan and i sent him a uh, text the other night hey check these this band out and literally he and i have not quit listening to it for <laughs> the past couple of days so they're called Greta Van Fleet, and they plan in the future to release two more EPs to make an entire album. They're very young. It's a throwback sound to uh, uh, mid-'70s rock and roll, and um, it's really good. A song called Flower Power. All four of them are good. Flower Power's good. Safari Song's good. Highway Teen's good. Uh, and the title track, uh, Black Sun Rising. So anyway, they're getting a lot of publicity. There's a big push behind them, and so we'll see how far that takes them. But um, one of the better, uh, truly new bands that I've heard in a very, very long time. So they only have an EP, right? Four song EP. It just, it came out a couple of months ago. I, I take it that the other songs are recorded and they're just going to release it in an EP at a time, which, uh, I think is something you're going to see happen, uh, more and more often in the music industry. I've actually, I've read where Aerosmith said if they ever release any new material again, that's probably what they're going to do. So... And I have heard a lot about these guys, and and, and I have not listened to them yet. I will, I definitely will, because I, there is there is quite a buzz going on about them. So it's when there's that much of a buzz, I've, I've got to at least check it out, see what all the talk is. 
Yeah, they, um, they're really good. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Chris, this week our topic is going to be music or albums from probably the most schizophrenic decade in modern music history, um, the 1980s. They were a confusing time for uh, music. Um, a lot of one-hit wonders. Uh, you had the uh, emergence of MTV. You have the uh, dawn of the CD era. And um, it was just a, a, a weird time for music. A lot of great music came out. But uh, a lot of people experimenting with synthesizers and, um, and keyboards and things like that. But a, uh, a very um, interesting time in music. So, Chris, you, um, you kind of came up with the parameters uh, for our discussion today, so I'm going to let you uh, explain the uh, parameters uh, for our topic. Okay, well, yeah, like when we did the 90s, we said we weren't going to cover grunge because that was, you know, that that was what was all over radio, and we wanted to save grunge for a, a different podcast, which we have not recorded yet, which is coming soon, and for this one, we didn't want to cover the other big, big, you know, tidal wave of music for that era, which was hair bands and metal which we have already covered. So if you haven't checked that out, it is on there. We did one for our favorite glam albums. So this one, we didn't want to include metal. And, you know, I don't know what you did, David. We'll, we'll find this out as we go along. Yeah, I, I had a couple of them that were kind of bordering on that, on that kind of hard rock metal. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to just throw them out because I just kind of want to go with just more of the 80s stuff away from anything metal. And on this one, I will say, Whereas the 90s one, I said I wanted, it had to have been successful, had to have been hits on the radio. Most of the stuff that I picked on this was on the radio at some point, but maybe not all of it. And I think the difference is it was a little bit harder for me to to go with stuff that was real popular because in the 80s, we talked about this before, I wasn't the most diverse guy. It was all, <laughs> it was all Motley Crue and Poison. And in the '90s, I, I started. That's when I started getting all this diversity. So as I've gone <laughs> back, I've started to rediscover a lot of the great '80s albums, and a lot of it is a little bit more on the obscure side. Like I said, I'm not going to go way too out there on this, but anyway, that's kind of what I came up with. Yeah, mine. Uh, I think the way I went about it's a little bit different, so that'll be fine because it, it'll make for interesting discussion. Um, I found when I was going back and, and, and preparing for it that um, if you take away the the, the metal and hair band um, t- uh, choice, there were a lot of albums that I necessarily wasn't an album person growing up, and so I didn't um, I did not uh, really pick how how do I say this I picked more albums that I was a big fan of then. And, and some that, I, that I've gone back and become fans of, and you'll see what I'm talking about on that. But uh, mine are not uh, mine are not obscure. Um, I, I dare say there's there's nobody out there that's going to uh, not be aware of the ones I'm going to do, which is which is is fine. Uh, be interesting. Um, I've seen some of the ones Chris are going to do, and some of them I'm very uh, that I'm not familiar with. I'm very interested in hearing him talk about. So before we waste any more time. We're going to jump right in it. We're just going to kind of swap back and forth, and uh, I'm going to throw it to uh, my friend Chris here and let him start us off. Okay. I am going to start off with a big one, you know, because I do, like I said, I've got, I've got a few obscure ones in here. So let's just start off with one that's not obscure. And this was this is um, like what you said. You, you've got some stuff that is a childhood, the stuff you remember. And this was one for me. This is probably one of the, the – uh, 
probably one of the first cassette tapes I ever owned. And unlike a lot of the stuff I listened to as a kid, this one I can I, I can still listen to, and I love it. I put it on the other day, and I listened to it straight through, and there's not much to skip on it. And this is uh, Brian Adams, Reckless. I just think this is a great record beginning to end. You know, of course, the hits, which there were a lot of them, Heaven, Runs You, Summer 69. I mean, try going to see an 80s cover band and they don't play that. It was just, um, I don't know, even even uh, It's Only Love. That's great, great songs on it. And I think even uh, Kids Want to Rock, that was one I really loved. And I thought about, I was thinking about that earlier this week. I thought Kids Want to Rock, you know, maybe that was almost kind of a, uh, kind of a gateway drug for me for the, uh, the metal stuff that came out that I started to fall in love with shortly after because that was a really, really rocking track on this album. And, and I'm sure you're probably familiar with this one, if you're familiar with that song. But that one just, um, man, I love that Kids Want to Rock. And like I said, soon after that, that's when the uh, big hair just <laughs> took over my life. But this album was a monster, monster album. And um, I think it still sounds good today. So we have a first here, ladies and gentlemen. That was the very first album I thought of when I uh, started making my list. So, Good. Yeah. I'm glad I'm going on the same page. So, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, it sold 12 million albums worldwide. It had six singles in the top 15. Now, that, if you're, if you're young, considerably younger than me and Chris, that doesn't mean anything to you because, you know, singles and chart placement now doesn't mean anything, but... In 1983 and 1984, that made or break, that would usually is what would make or break an artist or a band. And he had six songs. I'm like you. You put this album on and it, you just listen to it from beginning to end. And what strikes me, Brian Adams is a tremendous songwriter. Agreed. I mean, tremendous. And this guy had the Midas touch for a good 12 to 13 years. Everything he touched was huge. You had the album before this. Uh, you know, that had like cuts like a knife on it. And then you had reckless and then, you know, he had waking up the neighbors and, you know, he had the song with, uh, sting and Rod Stewart. And then he had, uh, was it everything I do or do it for you in the, uh, yes. In like a Robin hood, Prince of Thieves or yeah, Robin hood movie. So he's just a great songwriter and a great showman. And he recently released an album. You can find it on all the different formats. It's called, I think it's called Wembley 1996. And so he's playing at old Wembley Stadium, which I think would hold 75 or 80,000 people. Go and put the song Heaven on and see if it doesn't give you chill bumps. The crowd sings the entire first verse. And normally I'm not a fan of that, but it sounds so good. And it makes you realize just how popular he was. And just a tremendous songwriter and a tremendous musician. And um, if you're not familiar with that, my favorite song on there is It's Only Love with Tina Turner, followed by One Night Love Affair. That's my favorite one. Yeah, it's, One Night Love Affair is absolutely my favorite. And then, I, and then I do have to go with the hit, Summer 69. Yeah. That's definitely number two. For me. Yeah, and Heaven and Rundy and Somebody, uh, great, just a great album. And, you know, he was, if, if you were writing down a list of the top 10 artist of the 80s by the impact they had i mean he's gonna he's probably gonna be in your top 10 if not he's knocking on the door wouldn't you agree chris yeah definitely and you know i'll tell you this um talking about the way just things are different this was probably god this this may have even been 10 years ago but it was it was somewhere between 
our friend Caton, who did our uh, hair metal podcast with us, we went to Music Fest, and Brian Adams came out, and, and I will admit it wasn't the coolest look. He had his whole band was dressed in white. Their guitars were white. The all the amps were white. It, it just didn't look that cool. And we were these guys. I mean, they were probably about, about twenty years old, twenty one years old, and all. And they were um, they weren't being disrespectful, but you could tell they didn't think it was the coolest thing in the world. And Kate and I were talking to him. It was like, man, this dude was he was it, you know. He and and, and we were basically kind of defending him. It's like, hey, don't don't uh. Don't let this determine what you think of him, what you're seeing right now. I mean, this guy had some great, great music. And like I said, I, I really, unlike a lot of bands, at least in the mainstream of the 80s, I think it still holds up. I think it def- I think it, I think it does too, without a doubt. Um, I had this album on, uh, on vinyl, uh, and kind of one of the more familiar album covers of the 80s as well. I think it's, he's sitting there and he's got like a, his jacket turned up. You know I mean? That's, the collar on his jacket. I mean, that's totally 1980s. Yeah. Well, my first album that I'm going to go with, since uh, you and I agreed on the first one, uh, is one that uh, I picked somewhat for nostalgia reasons. Uh, that is what some people consider to be the comeback album for the Rolling Stones, Steel Wheels. Um, and the reason I say they considered it a comeback album, the two albums that came before this, I think, were Dirty Work and Undercover. Uh, they weren't very good at all. And Mick and Keith were really uh, not getting along, and it, it could definitely you could definitely tell by the quality of the music. So they had patched things up and released this album, and it's kind of famous for the tour that they had, the Steel Wheels tour. I think it still may be, maybe you two may have have beaten it, but it had at one point the largest stage ever for a traveling tour, and uh, a lot of these it's just a big metallic looking stage with steel structures and, and things of that nature but the album uh it has some good songs on it mixed emotions rocking a hard place almost hear you sigh and uh sad 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 and this was kind of my first exposure to the rolling stones other than like can't get no satisfaction my father was a big stones fan so you know i'd heard some like can't get no satisfaction and mother's little helper and some things like that but uh it, this was right about the time that CDs were really starting to get big. And so this is one of the first CDs that I bought. And I have in here, it was also one of the more mature purchases I'd made at that point. Like, you know, this wasn't Poison or Def Leppard. You know, this is Rolling Stones. Um, anyway, like I said, Mixed Emotions was kind of my my first exposure to where I was like, hey, this I think this may be a band I want to listen to. So those songs are really good. Unfortunately, it has one of Keith Richards' worst songs on it, Slipping Away. And they play that live, oddly enough, as bad as it is. And they play that live. Yeah, and if you happen to get a Slipping Away show, I feel sorry for you because... I had it. Oh, you did? <laughs> I did. Um, anyway, uh, if you if you get a chance, go back and, and you know watch on YouTube some highlights from that tour. Uh, we talked about it, I think, uh, during, yeah, last week during the Stones episode. Uh, Axel and Izzy um, uh, played with them, and so... Uh, it was a, a a good album, Chris. I know uh, you're Stones guy. Did, were you? Did you have this one or? You know one? what? I, I own it now, but I will tell you my my. I, I was kind of spoiled on the Stones when I was a kid because my earliest recollection was the um, what is it? The, the High Tide Green Grass album that my mom had, right? Which is basically a best of of all their early work. So I had that, and then my next encounter was. Um, 
let's see, my next encounter with by the Stones, as far as an album that she used to play a lot, was the one. Is it called? It's a, is it called? It's only rock and roll. Yeah, it's uh, like seventy four, seventy five. Yeah, yeah. So it was that one. So I was kind of, I was kind of spoiled up where I had actually really good kind of cream of the crop Stones and. I didn't. I didn't own this one at the time. Now I have it now, and I, you know, I think there are some good songs on it. It's, um, you know, it's definitely not a bad selection. It's just, you know, when you compare it to other Stones records, which, I mean, it's, I guess, kind of unfair to do considering we just spent a podcast last week on calling it one of the best album streaks of all time. Yeah. So it's probably a little bit unfair to compare it to that. But yeah, I mean, it definitely had some good stuff on it. I remember how huge it was. Yeah, like I said, I. I... I picked it more for nostalgia reasons and it was kind of, you know, a turning point for me is, you know, starting to listen to something that wasn't uh, just top 40 or, or hair or uh, uh, heavy metal. All right, Christopher, what's your next one? All right. Well, my, okay. So my first love really, as far as music that I can remember anyway, was Elvis Presley had a huge, huge poster on the wall. My next love and this was when it really, really, when the music really grabbed me for the first time. And I think we talked about this, David, on our very first podcast. But the time that really grabbed me was a guy that Elvis really influenced, which is Billy Idol. And, you know, no pun intended, Billy Idol really was my idol when it came to music. Um, I just, I, I loved anything I could get my hands on by this guy. And it's a toss-up between what I pick. Do I go self-titled, his debut album, or do I go Rebel Yell? You know, for the sake of the success that it had, I'm going to go Rebel Yell. And this is another one. I can put on those first two records right now, and really even even the third record, Whiplash Smile. I can put on all three of these records, and Smile doesn't leave my face when I'm listening to them. It's nostalgic, and at the same time, I, I love it probably about as much as I did back then. And this album, Rebel Yell, obviously it has Rebel Yell on it. But it also has Eyes Without a Face on it, which was a monster hit Great for him. Great song. And, and those were really the only two big hits, though Flesh for Fantasy had a little bit of success. It was actually on, um, the I think it was a John Hughes movie, Some Kind of Wonderful It's on that. I think I've heard it pop up in other 80s movies, and you hear a little remix of it has popped up in different things from time to time but this this album was just great i uh again rebel yell eyes without a face those were the two big hits but the ones that i really really loved when i was a kid probably more than both of those songs was a song called blue highway and a song called do not stand in the shadows and man i love this i i mean i wore that cassette tape out and um like I said, I, I just think it's timeless. I think those early Billy Idol records are absolutely timeless. Well, he's another guy along with um, Brian Adams that, I mean, you could make an argument. It, you certainly, nobody would say you're crazy if you said he was one of the top ten artists of the 80s. Um, he was huge. And, yeah. he was, and, and the thing about him was he was really, I look at him, and, and Brian Adams was a, a little bit there, but I look at, I look at Billy, Brian Adams probably had more, was more popular, but Billy Idol had more of the, MTV success, which that's when MTV was really getting going, was early to mid '80s, and you know he had Eyes Without a Face, you're Dancing with Myself, White Wedding, um, just 
monster monster videos. Well, I mean, he had one of the more famous "I Want My MTV" commercials. Yeah, uh, I remember that actually of the '80s. So yeah, he he was. I mean, he was huge. Uh, there's no uh, no debating that. Did you like him as a kid? Oh man, yeah, I loved uh, Rubble Yell and Eyes Without a Face and uh, you know all of that. I, and I remember just you know the videos of him were. Uh, everywhere you couldn't get around it and he was like i said if you turned on mtv he was kind of one of the the darlings of mtv that you know and still to this day I, I was watching a documentary or something the other day on mtv and that's one of the ones that kept showing over and over again was uh uh you know him going i want my mtv with a little you know and i can't help it when his music comes on my, my upper lip raises up a little bit yeah yeah it does it does that which which by the way it i think is a total total just and I mean this in the in, in a not in an insulting way, but it just seems like such of a such a rip off of Elvis. You know, Elvis had that, and he makes no mistakes about it. He was a huge Elvis fan. Yeah, it, it definitely his performance style definitely showed that too. I mean, he was a, he was a showman up there. Um, and still, and still, like Brian Adams, he's still going today. And um, you know, he has put out a couple of pretty decent records too in the last several years. So. Billy Idol, he's, you know, Fork's not in him yet. So if you've been a while since you've listened to him, check out some of his newer stuff. He's, he's put out some good albums. He's still putting out good music. Well, Chris, my next album is going to be the debut solo album from Tom Petty, Full Moon Fever. I felt you were going to name this. I really did. Yeah, um, this was, uh, man, I remember when this came out, and uh, I was uh, in the school where I went to school, uh, there was some t- weird like scheduling conflict or whatever, and I wound up being in a study hall that uh, I was basically in a room with. Uh, I was in eighth grade with eighth or, eighth or ninth grade, and it was all seniors. And uh, you know, of course, I, I could talk music back then, but we just wound up talking music a lot. And I remember when this album came out, all the the seniors were so excited about it, and I was like, "Man, I got to go get this Tom Petty Full Moon Fever," you know. And uh, at the time, I liked it, you know, but it's one of those things that, looking back, I've grown to love it. It's such a good album. Um, This was around the time of the uh, Traveling Wilburys. So, you know, there's some Roy Orbison, George Harrison uh, uh, influence, definitely Jeff Lynne. But, I mean, Free Falling, You're So Bad, Running Down a Dream, I Won't Back Down, Love is a Long Road, Depending on You, The Apartment Song. Uh, just really good album, but uh, Free Falling, I guess, was the huge one off of that. Uh, also, I won't back down, and you know the Heartbreakers played on it as well. And you know, there's no when you see the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers in concert, they play a lot of songs from this album. It, you know, it's more or less a Heartbreakers album, but you know has the name uh, Tom Petty on it. Uh, a lot of big videos, and uh, I think this is his best-selling album um, to date. Chris, I'm I'm sure you own it as well. I do, I do, yeah, and and I'm I'm a big fan of it. I was trying to think if it was that one or if it was um, Into the Great Wide Open, but there was, and you might be able to remind me of this. I, so I don't know if it was if I had the album correct, but it was uh, on that that Tom Petty documentary, you know, that four hour one. I don't remember who it was. I don't know remember, remember if it was. Uh, I don't remember if it was Iovine or if it was. Uh, I can't remember who, but I remember somebody saying they still listen to it like almost weekly. You know, start and 
how much they loved it. And uh, and yeah, I think you can kind of put those two albums together, you know, as far as just they, cause they were both just monster, monster, monster albums. And had had, yeah, a, lot, I mean, had those, a lot of Jeff Lynne influence on them. Yes, absolutely. And they're just great, great sing-along songs. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the record. And I mean, I'm a, you know that. We went to see Tom Petty not that long ago. I just, I love just most everything Tom Petty. Yeah, and you know, for the time it was released, I don't, you know, it's not cheesy music, um, which is, uh, which is interesting. I, I feel like, I feel like he's one of those few people that can write a pop song and it not come across as cheeky or cliched. Well, the thing that I've noticed so far is of the ones that we've named, they really, they, they're not. None of them really are falling into that, kind of that cheese factor. None of yeah. these albums we've named so far, and I think all of them to a certain degree still do hold up to this day. Yeah. Well, Chris, what's your next one? Well, I've got to go with something a little bit more obscure. And this is going to be obscure to it's going to be obscure to a lot of people, but this is a very, very legendary record. Um, but it's a band. You know, they were out of California. I believe they're out of Los Angeles, but they're called X. Yeah, just the letter X. And I think most, you know, here's the thing about this band X. I think that they kind of fall in for me kind of like how television did for me. They're one of those bands that I always knew the name. I never listened to them. And they were always just kind of one of these cult following bands. It's supposed to be a legendary record. This album is supposed to be... It's called Los Angeles. The album's called Los Angeles. But it's supposed to be... It, it was always one of those albums like television's Marquee Moon. It's supposed to be one of the great albums. And I just, it just kind of... Um, passing by for many many times many years and i recently just thought you know what i gotta see what i'm missing and i started listening to it on um just through apple music and i fell in love with it it's uh i mean it's a punk band but when i say punk it's it's not in the way of um you know it seems like we you and i say this every time we talk about punk music we're they're not the sex pistols they're not the casualties this is um it's a lot more accessible. Uh, the vocals are shared by male and female voices. And I would say the female is, is almost kind of going into the vein of kind of like a blondie. But um, it's just it's just a really, really great record. Um, there's some really the, the song Los Angeles is a really well-known one. Uh, first song is called Your Phone's Off the Hook, But You're Not. Great tune. I love Johnny Hit the, the uh, Pauline. Great one. And I just, I mean, the whole record just beginning to end, it's just one of those ones that, like television, not everybody caught on to it, but those that did love it. And it's one of those ones that most anybody that gives it a chance does love it. And, and I will say this, David, I think that if, if it's kind of like television, if you did listen to it, I think you'd find some enjoyment out of it. Well, there we're, we're going to do a podcast in the future at some point, uh, depending on when we can get a certain guest on here. Uh, about bands that had a big influence but little success, and you, I, I've I've seen their name for years mentioned by people. Yeah, and I think they were very, very influential on in that whole California punk scene. You know, it's it's like anything. The UK had their punk scene. We you know that with with the Sex Pistols, with with uh, Generation X, which is Billy Idol. You know, they they had that whole scene, and then in the in New York in the early days, you had the Ramones, you had Television, Blondie, all those, and then you had the LA scene, and um. These were kind of one of the, uh, and this one barely made it into the 80s. This was 1980, so it was uh, right at the beginning. So it still had a little bit of late 70s punk, but um, 
it's a really, really good record. It's one of those ones that's worth the hype. Yeah, you gave me a song to put on our Spotify playlist, and uh, definitely going to uh, check it out because, like I said, you see their name I mentioned a lot. Um, it's probably one of the only times in, in the in the history of this podcast I'm going to talk about rap. Uh, I'm going to go with Be- <laughs> I'm going to go with Beastie Boys' "License to Ill." And, I have it on mine too. And one so. of the one of the reasons I select that is. I'm not like against rap for the sake of being against rap. I'm the reason I'm against rap is there's very little instrumentation in it, and normally it's just you know uh, drum beats and uh, pre-programmed beats and you know things things of that nature. But the Beastie Boys sampled a lot of classic rock music, and they really did on their next album, Paul's Boutique. But I remember laying in bed one night, and uh, on WTBS they had a thing called. Uh, got the name of it. anyway they played videos on friday and saturday nights for like six hours and i would often just record them you know every night and watch them the next day but i remember laying in my bed and fight for your right to party came on and i was like man i've never heard anything like this and i remember i went out and bought the album or the cassette and uh i loved it uh she's crafty no sleep to brooklyn fight for your right to party girls paul revere brass monkey posse in effect uh all fun songs to listen to, and uh, to be honest with you, like the Beastie Boys come on the radio now. I don't, I don't turn, the ch- I don't change the channel, and uh, you know, "No Sleep Till Brooklyn" is kind of a play on words to the uh, the Motorhead album. Was it "No Sleep to Hammersmith"? Yeah, yeah, that that's kind of a tongue in cheek reference um, to that. But uh, "Fight for Your Right to Party," one of the big videos of the time. And like I said, their next album, they really sampled a lot of like Led Zeppelin and, and other 70s bands. But a fun album, nonetheless. So, Chris, you had it on yours, so why don't you go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, and, you know, and the, the funny thing is, I, you know, I've always said that you, know, you mentioned the next album being the one that was really, you know, of course everybody says Paul's Boutique can never be made today. And it, it couldn't be, because back then they didn't have to pay like they do now to get, to, get these samples. But Paul's Boutique, I've said for a long time, is my favorite Beastie Boys record. So I was like, why would I not go with that over this one? This one, I cannot deny this album. It was the impact that it had. It was, this is Nostalgia 101 for me. I loved this record so, so much. I still love this record. And I'm, you know, I know you said you're not going to talk about a lot of rap. I, I will say, and I know that everybody says the Beastie Boys aren't really rap because they think of all the albums that came after. But even this album, as much as people say, well, this was like the real rap album, even this one wasn't quite just solely rap. I mean, they had, you mentioned No Sleep, Sleep to Brooklyn, Kerry King of Slayers playing the guitar on it. You know, there was still, there was still some rock elements to it. Right. And, I just, I love this whole thing. I've told the story before. I had to, this was one of my earliest cassettes and it was taken away from me after they played in Memphis and my my mom found out about the concert, about how they were banned from ever playing in Memphis again. Um, they had, because I remember they they came out, they, they came out with something saying how many times they said the F word in that concert and at the end, they had girls dancing on stage. They had, a huge blow-up penis that came out and shot whipped cream into the crowd. And then about that time, my mom found out that on the uh, tail wing, and I've told this story before, if you look at it, and I'm looking at it right now. Let me see. It says uh, 3MTAC. 
if you still own a copy of this album and you never have heard this story before, grab it and put it into the mirror. And it says, eat me. Mm-hmm. So that was the nail in the coffin for me owning this album as a kid. And, uh, but anyway, that's not about the music, but the music itself. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it's, it, there's so many great ones. Rhyming and stealing. What a great opener, you know, fight for your right. No sleep to Brooklyn. Paul Revere, slow and low. Uh, you said she's crafty. It basically tracks one through 13 are great. And there's only 13 tracks on the album people. Yeah, like I said, we're not going to hear a lot of rap discussion, so uh, enjoy that one while it lasted. Yeah, right. the funny thing is, I actually could have put on there. I, I didn't put it on, but I, I actually considered straight out of Compton just because I do think that it's and, – and and David knows me. I'm not into rap, but I do think that's such a great record. But I'll spare everybody. That's not. I didn't go that direction. All right. So next, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with another one of the major major players of the '80s, and one of the guys who's had the most sustained career of any artist in our lifetime, and that's Bruce Springsteen. I did not go with. I'm probably gonna lead David up to something for his next choice, but I did not go with the one that everybody would think, which is Born in the USA, and I am a Born in the USA fan. But I went with The River, and The River was one that came out in 1980. It was uh, there was one album in between, which was basically just a solo Springsteen record, all acoustic, called Nebraska, which is phenomenal. But the River is one of those ones where you always say, "Hey, I, there's a reason I don't like double disc albums," you know, because basically can be con- condensed into one. This one, I think, if you condense it into one, you leave out too much. I think the River is just great beginning to end. I'd say it only really has one big hit on it, which is probably as yeah, I would say Hungry Heart is probably the only really hit on the album, but uh, this is just um, this is just one of those ones. It's, it's a it's a big storytelling record. It's uh, typical of Bruce, and I just I just love the album, man. I love every track on it. It's and it was probably one of the earliest albums that I really fell in love with this guy, but um, it kind of picked up a little bit where. Uh, where darkness on the edge of town left off, just kind of that that storytelling as far as um, just blue collar middle America, but he started to get a little bit more of those pop sensibilities, and you know, and not so much of just the singer songwriter of the earlier albums. So get a little bit more of the pop sensibility, hence Hungry Heart. But um, great, great record. It's one that casual Springsteen fans they may not own it, but it's one that if you do like Springsteen, you will like this record. Yeah, I've talked before, and you know this, I, I have done everything possible to try to uh, fully embrace Bruce Springsteen, and just for whatever reason, uh, it doesn't always click with me. Now, with that being said, I, I do like some of his albums, and of the ones of the classic, uh, you know, his classic albums that people think are his classic albums, this is probably the one that I could, close to um, uh, really liking them. I love the song, The River. And uh, I keep men- I keep meaning to uh, watch the uh, documentary that came out, I guess, last year or the year before uh, about the making of it. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Jimmy Iovine did this one, didn't he? No, I don't think he played a role in this one. This was this was a John <laughs> Landau project. Okay. And now this this was a uh, this was Springsteen, Landau, and Van Sant. Now did now did did Ivy maybe have some kind of a role? He, he might have. And I've read the book on Springsteen's book, so I really just can't remember, but. The one where the really and it's the album that really put Iveen on the map was Born to Run, 
you know. But uh, this one, I don't. If if he did have anything to do with it, it was probably kind of minimal. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Iovine was uh, born to run. Well, I, I'm gonna go ahead and throw my Bruce Springsteen album out, and that's Born in the USA. I had that on my list, um, and this one is the one that took him from being big to just being mo- a monster. Um, of course, you know the the title track, Born in the USA, which. Um, I would love to do a podcast one day, Chris, of songs that have misinterpreted meaning, and this would definitely, that song would definitely be in my, the top five uh, of what I would listen to, of what I would list, but that song was just anthemic in the 80s, and uh, was just, the album was just huge, and then um, my favorite song on the album is My Hometown, and I, love that one. I think that's one of the... Um, you talk about people being able to uh, convey emotion. Um, that 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 is a great example of that. And then "Glory Days," one of the funnest songs um, in his uh, catalog, and one that um, I, when it comes on the radio, I find myself turning the volume up. But and and one of the more iconic uh, album covers of the '80s as well. But uh, this one was full of hits and. Uh, just made him one of the biggest stars of the 80s. You definitely probably put him in that top 10 as well, like we were talking about. Absolutely. What, what are your thoughts Absolutely. on the album? Man, I really, really like the record. This isn't one of those where it's like, oh, it was commercial, I don't like it. No, no, forget that. I, I love the album. You know, I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I just, the river just does a little bit more for me, mm-hmm. and that's not any slight against Born, you know, Born in the USA. I think it's a great record. My hometown, I will tell you, my first time I ever saw them live. And, you know, we, we did try a um, – <laughs> David and I tried to do a, uh, a, a our favorite live performances one time. And uh, we we messed that one up. We'll, we'll revisit that and try again. But that was one of the stories I told was when I, the first time I saw Springsteen, he was in – it was at giant, old Giant Stadium. So you're in Jersey, basically his backyard. And he played My Hometown. And I'll never forget. It's like, man, I don't know if I've ever felt a live performance as much as I have that, as far as somebody really meaning every word that they said. And uh, it was just amazing. And that, that show, of course, I saw Born in the USA at that show beginning to end. And, yeah, it, it's got killer tracks. You know, the hits, Born in the, you know, Born in the USA, Cover Me, yeah, uh, one one that I always love. One of my favorite ones on there is Downbound Train. No Surrender is also one of my favorites. So the deep cuts on that, as many hits as there are, were, which there are many, the deep cuts are pretty much as good. Some of them better. Yeah, that such a, a fun album to listen to, and it holds up well to this day, which is like it's kind of a a theme that we have going so far. All right, I Chris- think so. Yeah, I don't think we picked a lot of albums that are just. Um, kind of novelty stuff it, you know these are these are these are big albums well since we discussed born in the usa which was one of mine what's your next one well i'm gonna go with one that's not you know it's um again maybe not a lot of people know it but most i think most everybody will know the name of this artist and this is lou reed he did an album that was i believe it was 89 and it's called new york and this was I guess probably the second thing I ever got of Lou Reed. I had a, a Velvet Underground best of. And a friend of mine had told me how great New York was. And so I just went ahead and bought it one day. I think I got it through BMG just because, you know, BMG had ordered like 
30 CDs at one time. And um, so I got this one, and, and, and I liked it then. Of course, I liked a few of the songs, but it's one that my plays on it have increased over the years. Because when I started, it started to uh, register a lot more. And, you know, Transformer, which was, I think that's Blue Reed's second album, is one that a lot of people know of. That's a Walk on the Wild Side. That was kind of maybe his biggest success. This is the one to me that I would say is probably my favorite one by him. It's not just my a great 80s album. It's probably my favorite record by him, at least solo. And there are not hits on it, but it's just great, great, great storytelling. And, it, and it's a rock record. You know, it's uh, and I think you, I think you'd probably like a lot of this record if you haven't heard it. But it is, uh, and I think I told, I think it, didn't I give you one of these when you for the Spotify? Didn't I give you one of these tracks? Yeah, was it Dirty Boulevard? Yeah, oh man, that's a good. Yeah, one. Yeah, I listened to that. It is good. Yeah, and I think you'd like this album. It's a, uh, it's like I said, this is a straight up rock and roll record. You know, Lou Reed has, uh, he did a lot of different styles. You know, throughout his career, a lot of them were. And you go back to the Velvet Underground, the early solo career. It's, it's not all of it's that rocky. This this is a yeah this is his, probably one of his more rock and roll records, and uh, if you ever if you've ever liked the Lou Reed song, and you like rock and roll, just check this one out. Give it a chance. It's uh, it's definitely. Um, does it does it have does can you tell when you listen to it? It was recorded in the eighties. You know. Maybe, maybe a little bit, to, but to me, it's just got it's kind of just got that Lou Reed sound, you know. And I think a lot of it, maybe maybe a little bit, but not so much, not so much. I don't think it, it. I don't think it really sounds that dated. I mean, it's just it's a Lou Reed record, man. I mean, none of them. They're all a little bit unique. Yeah, like I said, the Dirty Boulevard uh, song that you sent for, over for the Spotify list did sound good, and it did sound more. Uh, I guess straight ahead than some of his. Yeah, other stuff. yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely say if you're going to try this one out, go with Dirt, with Dirty Boulevard. You know, David, like you said, he's going to put up this uh, Spotify. Hopefully, you'll check it out. But the first track, Romeo and Juliet, another great one. Endless Cycle is really good. It's um, it's just, I mean, I, I pretty much can listen to this this one beginning to end. So, and if you if you've never really listened much to Lou Reed, this might be a good. This might be one that I could outside of. Well, I actually probably even more so than the Velvet Underground. This might be one that I would kind of recommend somebody as a starter. Yeah, he definitely um, he definitely had an impact on a lot of uh, on a lot of people. Well, the uh, album I'm going to go with is the first CD I ever purchased myself. Aerosmith Pump, and this is one of those CDs that was kind of walking the fine line on whether it should be included or not. But I said, "What the heck? I'm gonna I'm gonna include it." Uh, in my opinion, it's their last really good album, top to bottom, that they ever released. They kind of had their, well, they, well not kind of, they did have their comeback album with Permanent Vacation, which had uh, Angel and uh, the song Permanent Vacation and Dude Looks Like a Lady on it. But this one uh, I, I enjoy a lot more, especially top to bottom. It had some monster hits on it, Loving an Elevator, What It Takes, Janie's Got a Gun, uh, Monkey on My Back. Uh, other good songs on there. Probably my favorites, one or two favorite songs on there is The Other Side and uh, Don't Get Mad, Get Even. Uh, had some huge videos. Janie's Got a Gun is one of uh, the more unique videos that came out during that time. It actually tells us it's more like a, sm a mini movie. But uh, they this 
sealed their comeback and uh, made them the international megastars there are today. I do find myself now when I listen to want to listen to Aerosmith, I go back and I listen to uh, Toys in the Attic, Draw the Line, and uh, Rocks. Those are the three albums that I mainly go to. But if I go to one outside of that, um, this is it. And like I said, um, I think it's the last really good album they, that they're probably ever going to uh, to put out. Yeah, you know, I had a conversation just last weekend with a old guitar teacher of mine. He's, he's not that much older than me. But um, we just went out for drinks last weekend, and we were talking everything music. And somehow Aerosmith came up, and he told me that Pump was just, yeah, he's like, you know, forget about all the songwriters they brought in, the glossy production, whatever. He's like, that was just a phenomenal record. He's like, permanent vacation. He's like, I can skip it. And and he was just talking about how, like, how much he still, still loves that record. Yeah, huge album. And probably my favorite song on there is F-I-N-E. Um, and that's, I put that one. That is good. I Man, put, that's a good one. I put that one on the uh, the Spotify uh, playlist. The others, I mean, you know, it's one, two, I'm just going to count real quick. One, two, three, four, five. You know, it had five really big singles on it. So that one I don't think was a single. If it is, it's not a very well-known one, but it's my favorite um, favorite song on the album. What do you got? What do you have next, Chris? Okay, I'm gonna go with one, and this this is another one that this this is this was a big album, and um, I'm gonna go with my next two because I'm gonna kind of go in a little series on them. Okay, these are albums that I think of, and they they're not they're nowhere on the, even on the same wavelength as far as how they sound, but these are albums that I just it, it, it takes me back to being a kid, and I remember there were um, my mom. God bless her was really good about letting me play, you know, as long as it wasn't dirty. Which of course, if it was dirty, I didn't get to keep it, you know rewind back and listen to my, my uh, Beastie Boys comments but um, if it was you know if, if it was some if it was some dirty she'd let, it some dirty she'd let me play it in the car as we're riding along especially those summers my mom I was fortunate enough to have a, a a housewife for a mother that you know was able to spend the summers with us and there were two albums that I really and I guess they were kind of around the same time that I just played all the time for probably about two years and the first one is a band called Crowded House. Maybe not everybody remembers the name of the band, but most everybody remembers Don't Dream It's Over. Uh, it's been covered with a lot of success. They also had a big hit on it called Something So Strong. But the first two tracks, Mean to Me and World Where You Live, man, did I love those songs as a kid. And then the, uh, it's, the next, it's the next to the last one. It's a song called, no, actually, it's... Uh, Track number nine, I Walk Away. All those songs, man, just outstanding. And this is another one, again, I can put this on today, and it, I don't listen to it because it's nostalgia. I listen to it because it's good. Are they are they British, Chris? They're either Australian or New Zealand. Okay. I cannot remember which one. They're one of the two. Yeah, Something So Strong, that's a great song. Uh, yes, that that to me that's 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 the best of the two hits. But "Don't Dream It's Over," of course, is the one that everybody recognizes. But this is one that you know we we talked about this. You know, in our in our very first podcast, we talked about our favorite debut albums. This was this was an honorable mention for me. So it shows you what I think of it. You right. know, it shows you it's not just nostalgia. It's right. uh, I just think it's a really really good album. Well, what's the uh, what's the second album that you were gonna 
put with it. Oh yeah, the uh, I'm gonna go with one. This is this is a little bit different for me because I typically, you know, I like to go with just you know straight up albums. This was more of almost kind of a, a remix. Some albums, they, some some songs they had put together from other albums and kind of remixed them. Had it did have a couple of songs or at least a song that was not previously released on an album, but uh, New Order. And the album's called Substance. And actually, I guess it's Substance 1987. And this is another one that you wouldn't think a mom would really be cool with this one because it's not just, certainly doesn't sound like Crowded House. You know, it's a little bit more, well, I mean, it, they, it, New Order, if you don't, they, they came from Joy Division. So it's a little bit more of a, the kind of 80s New Wave sound. Um, but this, this was one I just used to play all the time. So even though I say I, I wasn't very diverse, maybe I was even at a, as a kid a little bit more diverse than I thought I was because I was listening to Crowded House and Springsteen and Quiet Riot and New Order. But um, again, this is one I listened to this album just the other day. I listened to it beginning to end, and I loved every track on it. Uh, I think most people probably remember New Order, at least know the name. They, uh, they had a little bit of success in the mid to late 90s with a song called Regret, you know, which was kind of a comeback album for them. On this one, the uh, the new track that was put on this album was a song called True Faith. <laughs> had a very, very unique video on MTV. And uh, this is one, like I said, it's just it's timeless for me. Reminds me of being a kid, and I put it on today, and I'm not listening to it because just because it makes me think of being a kid. I listen to it because it's great music still to this day. I'll be honest with you. I, a lot of, a lot of the bands from that time frame that play, you know, I guess you might want to call it synth pop or whatever. Yeah. I've heard a lot of the music, but I, I have a hard time keeping the names of the band straight, like them and Joy Division and Erasure and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, I would try. I would try New Order. You know, and I, you know, I don't know if uh, I told you to take this track, and I don't know if you found it on Spotify. They're not on Apple Music. By the way, where they are, but not this album. Yeah, I, yeah, I got Substance it. is not on there. Okay, yeah, they don't have Substance on Apple Music, but um, but yeah, I mean, if you're if you're new, if you're new to New Order, you know, I would say, um, which by the way, I, I think of another. I mentioned earlier that uh, which obviously this must be a good soundtrack. I don't own it, but I mentioned the John Hughes movie, Some Kind of Wonderful. In addition to that, Flesh for Fantasy by Billy Idol, being or not. It's Catch My Fall. I think I said Flesh or Fantasy, but I think it's Catch My Fall that's in that movie. Well, they also had a New Order song that was in that movie, I believe. And then I think New Order may have been in um, Pretty in Pink. So they were, I mean, they were just kind of one of those bands that were that popped up in a lot of those, those uh, soundtracks. But if you're going to start, try something different with them, or if you're just going to try to check them out for the first time, maybe go Substance, uh, Power Corruption and Lies is a great record. But yeah, David, if you're going to try them out, just something to Substance. Yeah, they're they're, they're kind of like X. You see a lot of people mention them um, as well, influences. You're right. And do you remember um, God, what that what was that band in, in that whole wave of uh, new metal? Remember that band uh, Orgy had that Blue Monday. Yeah, yeah, that's a New Order song. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's a New Order song, and that and that is a remade version of of, or, of uh, Blue Monday is on this album. Hmm. So you might want you might want to even start with that one. Yeah, I, I, probably have told you, I probably should have told you to post that one on the the uh, Spotify. Maybe we should do that. Yeah, just we, switch them up just because people know that song. We can always um, 
add that one. So we're going to go from synth pop to uh, one of the, in my opinion, one of the five biggest albums of the 80s, and that's Prince's Purple Rain. Uh, sold 25 million albums worldwide. That's a lot. Um, and this was Prince putting his rock and roll jacket on uh, for the most part. Of course, the big hits were When Doves Cry, Purple Rain, and Let's Go Crazy, which are all songs that I never get tired of listening to. And I've said this numerous times in this podcast. Purple Rain's probably my favorite song ever recorded. This album had a big impact on me at a very, very young age. I had it on cassette. And one year at Christmas, my mom got me a, a like like a, a double double decker uh, boom box, you know, where you could record from one tape to the other. And uh, this is one of the cassettes that I got with it. And it's an album that uh, some of it, I'll admit, sounds dated, but some of it doesn't. And uh, it's a very guitar-oriented album for the most part, which really uh, Prince, I mean, could hold his own on guitar. <laughs> there weren't a lot of people that could that could outdo him, but uh, on some of his albums going forward, um, they were not exactly guitar-centered. So a, a lot of... The, his newer fans, I don't think, realize how good of a guitar player um, he is. It's actually a soundtrack to uh, the movie Purple Rain, but a lot of the tracks were actually recorded live in uh, Los Angeles, which I thought was interesting. But nonetheless, one of the biggest uh, albums of the of the decade and had a couple of the biggest uh, videos on it. Chris, are you a Purple Rain fan? Yeah, but you know, when you said recorded live, are you talking about recorded live like one take in the studio or are you talking about live performance some of them were recording as a as a live performance in los angeles oh well, I, didn't, yeah, I didn't know yeah that. and you can't you know obviously they have taken out any background noise whatsoever but uh yeah um big album yeah i mean very very prolific guy very very um, you know one of the better musicians of the time and i think that's one thing that you know, sadly, a lot of people did not know about him. And I think it, it kind of got out a little bit after he passed, you know, when they started showing that, that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance and playing the guitar, which I guess people all of a sudden awoke to, oh, wow, he could play guitar. Yeah, and if you don't, know, they what don't, he's they, if you don't know what he's talking about, it's when he got inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and uh, there are four or five Rock and Roll Hall of Famers on the stage with him, and uh, he made them look like they didn't know what they were doing. But the thing is, I think a lot of people saw that and like, oh wow, he was yeah, he was a good guitarist, and it's like, um, no, he was a good musician, right? And probably one of the best musicians of our time frame. Because I mean, the guy played. You know, I heard this number, and I don't know, it's probably more, but I always heard this number that he he was he could play twenty six instruments. I can't name twenty six instruments. Yeah, you know what? I don't know that I could. That's actually a really that's a. <laughs> That's a really good point you make. I think it'd take me a few minutes anyway. Yeah, I might come up with it, but it'd take me a while. I mean, I, but I, they would, say I, would, could... I would get down to like the kazoo. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean the guy was just an incredible musician. But uh, but no, that you're right. He was one of. I mean, I look at some of these people we've named: Brian Adams, Springsteen, Prince. You throw them up there with the Madonnas, and man, they they were the '80s, and they were MTV. So I know we're kind of nearing towards the end of this. So how many do you have left? I have three. You want to talk about? I have three. Okay. Because I got I got a few more. I'm, I'm going to leave out a few of them just for the sake of time, and I'll I'll try to start speeding this up just a little bit because I know we're going to try to try to wrap this up pretty quick. But 
I'm going to go with another one that was a uh, really big album in the 80s. Uh, Peter Gabriel, the album is so, you know, most everybody knows, you know, In Your Eyes. They know it from the, uh, God, what, was that, what was that movie with John Cusack? I can't even think of the name of it, right? Say Anything. Say Anything. Yeah, yeah, legendary scene. Great movie, too. But, um, and, that, and, that, and that really is, to me, one of the better ballads. But the album itself, you know, don't think of just that song. That album itself is is great it has uh has other hits on it that people know you know sledgehammer big time which again he was another big big mtv guy and he had some of the better videos well sledgehammer a lot of times if you watch the top out videos of all time countdown sledgehammer i've seen it be number one before depending on who's making the list yeah he had he had great videos and uh and it has a great song on a third track on it called don't give up it has kate bush singing on it which is just i mean probably one of the best female voices ever one of the, i mean and maybe one of the most underrated because you don't really hear that name a whole lot but it is she's got a beautiful beautiful voice but first track on it is one of my favorites it's called red rain but peter gabriel is just it, and to me he's kind of one of those guys i think we're talking about the musicianship of prince i think you can throw peter gabriel into that too because his albums just sound so complex they're not it's not simple music when you listen to it. And you got to think he came from Genesis progressive rock. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit more than you're just three chords music. That's for sure. One of the more eccentric artists. That yeah. Have. I mean, it, and he's, the, and you're right. He's done some really, he's, there's one album. I can't think of the name, but there's one album of his that's largely instrumental. And it's uh, one that every now and then I just want to put on and just fall asleep to. Cause it's just, He's, he's done a lot of different sounds. That's cool. Uh, what's the name of that? The instrumental album. I, that's what I'm saying. I can't think of it. Okay. I'll, I'll get it to you. Okay. I'll get it to you. I cannot think of the name of it right now. I'm always looking for good uh, music to fall asleep to. Yeah, I'll get it to you. Okay, well, I'm going to speed up as well. Uh, I'm going to go with my first exposure to Eric Clapton. was this album that came out called Journeyman. And, oh, uh, good record, man. I would have never thought of that. That's a good record. Yeah, and... I used to uh, sit up at night listening to a uh, Rock 103 out of Memphis, and when this album came out, they really played uh, "Bad Love" and "Pretending" uh, a lot, and uh, would hear that a lot. You know, it's one of his more pop-oriented albums, I guess you could say. But uh, like I said, it has "Pretending," "Bad Love," "No Alibis," "Running on Faith," "Before You Accuse Me." Uh, a really good album, and this was when I started. Uh, I guess my transition, like I said, was Steel Wheels. Uh, Maybe listening to stuff other than uh, Bon Jovi and Def Leppard and Poison, but uh, had a it, kind of a I don't know if you call it a comeback, but kind of bringing him back to the uh, national uh, spotlight, if you will. But uh, really good album. Some of those songs, "Running on Faith," also appear on the uh, you know highly acclaimed uh, "Unplug" album. But yeah, that's I, I, cool that you that you. Uh, think that's a good album as well. I, yeah, I, I think it's great, man. Those two singles you name, especially "Pretending" and "No Alibis," man, those are good tracks. And I and I agree with you that it it is a it's not. I don't guess you normally hear people call it a comeback album, but I agree that it is a bit of a comeback. You know, it, it really kind of put his name out there where he was. You know, he's almost kind of yesterday's news. Yeah, yeah, and uh, brought him back to the forefront. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the next. I'm going to go with another one that was a. Um, kind of that MTV era. One, this is their album that just really, really exploded. I mean, I, I think of this band kind of like REM where they had albums that were, you know, always kind of, they were always kind of the out there. Everybody kind of knew who they were. And then, you know, like REM, I guess you could say, um, 
I mean, they, a little bit of it was just document, but really, and then green, but a little, it really was out of time. Well, in excess, it was kick. Yeah, and they had some great albums beforehand. They had a little bit of success with those albums, but kick just, man, they blew the doors off with this one. And a lot of singles on this. New Sensation, Devil Inside, Need You Tonight, Never Tear Us Apart, yeah, Mediate. It, it was... I mean, this thing is loaded with singles and uh, great, great record. And Michael Hutchins is one of those guys I wish was still around. And I don't think people outside of America realize how big they were internationally and still are. Uh, a huge band internationally. Man, ne- uh, Never Tear Us Apart. Man, that's that's one of the best uh, songs from the 80s, in my opinion. It's a great, great ballad. I... um. There's a lot to like about him. In, in, I mean, Michael Hutchins was, he had a great voice. He had a very cool look. He was a great performer. I think In Excess is a great band name. And I also think they have one of the great, you know, our buddy Shannon and I, we've talked about this before. I've told him, I think one of the greatest album titles is one that kind of came out, it came out in the 90s and it, it wasn't one of the more popular albums, but it was an album title called Welcome to Wherever You Are. <laughs> and um, I just, there's not a lot of bad things to say about these guys, and this is this was the highlight of their career for sure. Well, I'm going to mention an album, Chris, that we can't talk about the '80s probably without mentioning uh, U2's "The Joshua Tree," and was my obviously was my first exposure to U2. And uh, I'll admit, uh, when it came out, I didn't like it because I was like, man these songs are really boring. Everybody's getting excited. And I mean, and I mean like poison's jumping off, you know, they're jumping off stages, man. And you know, here's this weird dude in a cowboy hat, you know, walking, walking around, you know, the streets of New York. But obviously as I got older, uh, came to appreciate it. Uh, of course, you know, it has, uh, the big hits with or without you, um, where the streets have no name and still haven't found what I'm looking for. But one of the great ballads of the eighties running to stand still. And one of the coolest uh, song titles, um, I think, uh, that I've heard, but, uh, obviously, you know, if you listen to music or you don't listen to music, you're aware of this album. One of the biggest ones of the eighties. I'm really glad you named this because I wasn't good. I, I actually have it sitting in front of me and I decided I wasn't going to talk about it because I've got a few albums that I've talked about before and this i believe when we talked about some of our favorite albums i brought this one up it's like you know what i'm not going to rehash it so i'm really glad you brought it up because it's my favorite u2 album i know a lot of people are going to go thought tune baby this one is my favorite and i agree with you running to stand still is amazing another one i think is a great great deeper cut is red hill mining town um it's just, I mean, all the hits are great. Where the streets have no name, still a family I'm looking for, with or without you. But you, yeah, you're right. Running to stand still. Red, uh, Red Hill Mining Town. In God's Country. Trip through your wires. That's a great tune. Right. I mean, beginning to end. I mean, it. This album put them on the map for a reason. It's phenomenal. Yes, it was. Well, I'm going to go with another one that I, uh, you know, when we were talking about our favorite albums, I, I think. And I hope I'm getting this right. I think when I was talking about The Cure, I think I'm going with the head on the door because I said if I'm going to listen to one of them, I usually go to that one because it's it's a little bit more – it's happy, sad, but it's a little bit more um, – it, it's, 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 it makes me it's, – it's shorter. The songs aren't so long. It, it's, it's a little bit more upbeat. And that's the one I tend to go to. But if I have to pick what may actually be their best, I might have to go with their what may be their masterpiece, which is Disintegration. 
And whereas the head on the door is happy, sad, disintegration is sad, sad. And um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's long, it's dark, it's gloomy, it's a type record. If it is raining like crazy outside, it's dark, grab a glass of red wine, turn out all the lights, and listen to this album and crank it. It's, um, it's, uh, it, yeah, I said it's sad, sad, but it's beautiful at the same time. And, uh, it's another one of those albums that, uh, is well, well worth the hype. You know, it does have some singles on it, some hits on it. You know, you've got, you've got Lullaby on it. You've got Love Song, you know, Pictures of You, Fascination Street. It's, um, it's great. I love this record. And, and some of the deeper tracks, like Prayers for Rain. It's just, uh, really really good record i love this record yeah the you know I, I meant to tell you this the other day speaking of love song uh 311's version of love song have you heard that yeah it's good yeah yeah i should have mentioned it in our cover song and you know, and matt skiba matt skiba of alkaline trio he has love love on on one hand song on the other on his knuckles yeah that's cool yeah, I told you he was a huge fan of those guys. That's why you, when you hear, I've burned you some of his right, solo stuff. Right. That's why you hear a lot of that kind of uh, goth sounds. I mean, he was hugely influenced by those guys. Yeah, they're definitely not. Uh, they're not a party band. Uh, no, no, they're not. <laughs> you don't get folks out on the dance floor with uh, the Cure. Well, the last one that I'm going to talk about, and I'm just going to talk about just for a second, just because of how big they were at the time, is uh, the album Escape from Journey. Um, you know, has Don't Stop Believing on it, which uh, just seems like it grows exponentially in popularity. I read somewhere, I think it's, was, there's a, in the last year or two, it was the most uh, downloaded song uh, of the year, uh, or di- streamed, whatever they take all that into account. But, you know, they were a huge band in the early 80s, and, you know, they kind of, they rose from the ashes of, um, you know, Santana which, uh, you know, very acclaimed musicians. But uh, Stone in Love is the song that I really like off that album, and uh, I included that on um, our uh, Spotify playlist. But I thought I would just mention that because they were so big in the early 80s, and unfortunately, uh, well, they're still around. They don't have Steve Perry with them, but one of the all-time uh, great vocalists uh, that, that we're going to have um, amongst us. And, and I'm glad you included, if you were going to include a song, funny a funny story. About three hours ago, I met our mutual buddy Clark over just to have a couple of beers. Met him out, and um, we're sitting in a bar, and Stone in Love came on. And I told him, I was like, man, it's my favorite Journey song. <laughs> and it really song. is. It, it's my favorite song by them. And and don't get me wrong, don't stop believing. It's a great song. But Stone in Love, not even close. That is my favorite song by them. Yeah. Well, Go ahead, Chris. I will wrap. I will wrap up with two albums. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with one that, uh, you know, when we talk about albums holding up, this is one that just blows me away. That was released in '89 because it just. I mean, you listen to it and it does not sound like it because nobody else was sounding like this, and that's the Pixies, and the albums do little, and. You know, they had kind of that, you know, if you listen to, if you listen to Nirvana, you know, when you listen to, um, Smells Like Teen Spirit, you know, that kind of, uh, push-pull sound, that loud, soft, that 
the way they go that you know yeah that is that's coming from the pixies and 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 he was a huge huge pixies fan and i don't know if you've got to this point yet david well you're reading that book that that i recommended to you on on seattle rock he talks they're talking about in that book where somebody when he played that song for somebody a friend has said how it you know yeah it reminded him of the pixies and kurt was like is it too obvious he didn't deny it he's like is it too obvious because he knew (laughs) he was because they influenced him so much and the pixies really were just one of the first that i know of that kind of went to that loud soft you know that push pull over and over and this album when you listen to it it really is just amazing that this came out in 89 it um i don't know i mean it's just it's one if you haven't really listened to them you know, you might want to go back if you want to hear something cool. You know, it's got the, I guess, the most popular song in it. Here comes your man. Wave of Mutilation is pretty popular. I, I, I told I told David when he puts on Spotify to go with Galgia Way, which is one of my favorite songs by them. Last track on the record. They've, they've opened a lot of shows with Galgia Way. It's um, a band that was truly, truly ahead of their time and uh, still making some pretty good music these days. And then the last one I'm going to go with is the Jesus and Mary Chain. And a lot of people know the Jesus and Mary Chain by the song Head On, which I, I mentioned in our favorite songs of all time when we did that podcast. This was their debut album, and what I would say about this is it's very, very noisy. You know, I gotta believe bands like My Bloody Valentine, even my even Dinosaur Jr., I gotta believe are kinda in I gotta believe they were influenced by this sound because it's so distorted at times where it's almost tough to make sense of everything. But it's just, I really, really love this record. Um, it's called Psycho Candy, the debut album. Just Like Honey, I know I told you, David, put that one up. It's one of the songs. But Just Like Honey, um, The Hardest Walk, Taste of Cindy, You Trip Me Up. Really, really, really good record. That's it for me. Well, yeah, that's all I've got. Uh, it's been a fun episode. and It's probably the most agreement we've ever, may have had it in our lifetime. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of agreement, and I think I think what's cool is the ones that even it wasn't maybe our pick, we both were like, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, which is uh, probably not going to happen a lot, folks, so uh, <laughs> enjoy it while you can. Well, let me just uh, catch everybody up to speed on uh, the next couple of weeks. We uh, probably are not going to have an episode next week. I'm going to be on vacation, and the weekend following that, Chris and I will be attending the uh, Nashville Rock and Pod Expo in uh, Nashville so, uh, hey, if you're in that area and want to um, come uh, visit with about 22 different podcasts and some rock uh, memorabilia dealers and uh, some rock stars, uh, they're going to be there. Um, definitely go to it. But uh, we're going to record at least one episode while we're there, maybe two. Uh, who really knows what's going to happen? We, we may have some guests pop in. Uh, with us on that so uh, probably not going to have a podcast next weekend and then uh, the next week like I said we'll for sure at least get one recorded while we're at the expo Uh, I mentioned at the top of the podcast the Spotify playlist Uh, go and follow that that's going to be updated every week and I think uh, uh, you're going to enjoy that because uh, you can go listen to some of these songs that we're talking about especially ones that uh you aren't familiar with and hopefully uh you may like that and decide to go out and purchase their music we uh we still recommend buying music around here uh chris i really enjoyed this week thought uh i, I thought there was good discussion and uh pretty diverse uh, uh group of albums that we came up with 
I agree. So uh, anyway, folks, follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed. Subscribe to us on uh, iTunes uh, uh, under our podcast and rating review us. We would appreciate that. And we'll see you guys uh, probably in two weeks. So uh, stay cool out there. Have a good one.